Hey everyone, welcome back to my channel. Uh, thanks for tuning in. A lot of you asked me during my last live show on Thursday about ticker SPAQ, which had some rumors about buying Fisker Inc. And so I decided to look into the stock and do kind of a deeper dive. Uh, for those of you that are ROIC members at a couplecents.com, you know I've already kind of posted my full write-up and the Excel spreadsheet. So if you haven't already seen it, go check it out over there and there's already a discussion going on. Let's dive right into it. Uh, Spartan Energy Acquisition Corp, which trades under ticker SPAQ, is kind of yet another hot special purpose acquisition vehicle or SPAC in the public conversation. I know a lot of these have been really popular these days. Um, it's kind of confusing because this ticker is SPAC SPAQ and it is a SPAC SPAC. Um, so, you know, this SPAC specifically is backed by Apollo, um, which is kind of a mega private equity fund and a firm that I really respect personally and have met a bunch of really smart Apollo folks during my career. Um, and it's just a, a firm full of really smart guys on Wall Street. Um, so SPAQ, or Spartan Energy Acquisition Corp, uh, announced on Monday, July 13th, that it would be acquiring Fisker Inc. Um, although, again, you know, I'm a little bit late to the game, and a lot of you have heard those rumors you know, last week. For those of you that have followed electric vehicles in the States for a while, uh, Fisker is going to be a name that you're already familiar with. Um, Henrik Fisker is the chairman and CEO of this Fisker Inc., so of this new company that you're investing in or potentially investing in. Um, but it's not his first go-around under this name. Um, he's a Danish-American automotive designer that was kind of behind the design of the BMW Z8, um, what else, the Aston Martin DB9, and the Aston Martin V8 Vantage, and more. So a lot of really cool cars, really great designer. So in 2007, Henrik Fisker started uh, Fisker Automotive, and uh, planned on bringing in a plug-in hybrid car to the, to the market, uh, famously the Fisker Karma. Uh, and, you know, Tesla even sued Fisker Automotive in 2008, alleging they stole uh, Tesla's technology to develop their hybrid. So, you know, these two were at it, you know, way back when, over a decade ago. Uh, you know, after raising a bunch of money through venture capitalists and the Department of Energy was giving out kind of uh, technology loans, uh, Fisker Fisker Automotive back then suffered from a bunch of recalls and, you know, a market that wasn't quite ready to, to purchase expensive EVs, uh, electric vehicles that, you know, didn't have the range and they just weren't that much better than uh, a gas car or weren't better at all. Like I mentioned, Fisker Automotive went through a bunch of setbacks and recalls at the time. I think one of their shipments to Europe even got flooded and ruined. Um, they basically lost a bunch of their financing and loans. Henrik Fisker stepped down in 2013 and Fisker Automotive went, underwent Chapter 11 restructuring bankruptcy. And kind of through this process, Henrik Fisker retained the brand name, but the company itself was bought by a Chinese company called uh, Wang Shang. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. And is now Karma Automotive and is still around in some capacity. Um, so this is kind of one of those things where we have to ask ourselves, is this the, is the second time the charm for Henrik Fisker? And can he really succeed in bringing forth a mass market electric vehicle? I think, you know, I think it's reasonable enough to, for us to give him the benefit of the doubt. This time he has the backing of a really top tier private equity fund in Apollo and clearly access to lots of capital that he didn't have back in the day. And in my mind, I think the biggest positive to him coming to market now is that Elon Musk and Tesla really paved the way to an electrified automotive future uh, through the sheer force of Elon's will. And you all know that I respect that guy 
a lot. So this time around, it's certainly more believable to me that they can bring forth a a product that people will actually buy. And for those of you that haven't heard of Rivian already, you know, they're a high profile, well institutionally backed startup bringing a couple EVs to market, notably their Rivian truck. And it looks really great and they claim to have really good range. So if they can do it, I think Fisker can probably do it as well. You know, the drivetrain tech and the design aren't huge secrets or barriers to entry. Battery tech is now cheaper and better than it was. And I think that uh, Tesla, Rivian, and Fisker can all find markets for their EVs if they just kind of block and tackle well and bring a certifiably good product to market. So as a lot of you know, the hardest part of this business isn't really designing a prototype that is kind of sexy and has the range and that people wanna buy. It's really about ramping up battery and vehicle production in a profitable and kind of timely manner. But I don't want you to mistake my view I do believe Tesla will probably retain the lead in the technology and the product cohesiveness and offering for quite some time. An example I like to really compare Tesla to is if Tesla is the Apple iPhone and you know potentially self-driving is the app store that's coming in the very distant or in very near future, um, there's certainly room for other successful EV competitors uh, to come to market and be really successful. Just like the Apple iPhone, uh, Google came out with their Android uh, ecosystem and LG and Samsung have killed it on their phones as well, even if they aren't fully cohesive uh, and and differentiated. So, and again, having been an owner for of a Tesla for three, three and a half years, it's gonna be really hard to, to beat the cohesiveness of the product line to, from the app to the card to the, to the console. Everything's really seamless and it's built from the ground up like a tech company. So, you know, do I think that some of these other competitors will compete on, on the customer and product experience? Probably not. And that's why Tesla will continue to kind of run away. And you all know that I operationally like Tesla. Um, but that doesn't mean that other kind of products can't also succeed on a more shared network instead of a closed ecosystem. You know, but that being said, I think there are will be a lot of failed EV competitors as well. You know, just like the Apple iPhone came to market and then we had um, then we have the Google Android coming to market, we also had failed competitors like the Microsoft Windows Phone and we had, uh, I believe, the Palm ecosystem as well that failed. Okay, so let's look at Fisker's business plan. Um, so they're coming to market with a slightly varied flexible leasing program that's relatively creative. Uh, but if you ask me or any other financially oriented person, creative leasing programs aren't really a product differentiator. Uh, they don't really differentiate the product that you're selling. They just allow customers that might not otherwise be able to afford it up front to afford it over a longer period of time. Um, and if they're super successful with it, then that just means that Tesla can just copy you and roll that out to their Tesla leasing program. They're also planning on being able to access the Electrify America, ChargePoint, EVgo, Fast Charger, uh, network infrastructure, which is getting built across the US, but still seems to lag Tesla's homegrown network. Uh, like I was mentioning, Tesla really likes to keep things within its own ecosystem and build things on their own so that they have kind of cohesive product experience. Uh, you know, consumers really like that. I think that'll keep them up top, but that doesn't mean that this strategy won't work either. Um, they seem to have established good battery supplier partners in Europe and China. Um, but I think the really interesting piece is that they're actually partnering with a European OEM partner for automotive production. So they're not building the cars themselves. They're allowing their OEM partner in Europe to build the actual cars. I think this is a really smart, short-term, very private equity style 
decision, uh, it kind of de-risks the business going into go-to-market and allows them to ramp up capacity as they grow. And if they need to grow and build their own facilities in the future, uh, they can do that kind of on, on, at a later date. You know, I agree with the decision in the short term, but if they find good market and good growth, uh, it might take them a while to build their own facilities and they may actually have operational hiccups and restrictions in their ability to grow really fast if they don't have enough production and there's a lot of demand for the, for the cars. Uh, even Tesla had a lot of trouble ramping up production, if you remember. Um, and Tesla obviously has its own kind of take over the world. We, we're going to do it ourselves kind of mentality. Um, you know, so, but that's not always the way to win, right? Apple also implements the design in, in California, produce externally kind of business model uh, very well. Although I would say it's probably easier to ship phones from China to the US than it is cars. You know, good on them for not getting too greedy before the race starts and before they actually come to market. Like I said, uh, the board's full of really smart Wall Street uh, Apollo folks. So I know, I think they're, they know what they're doing. Um, but I think the biggest concern for me is that they're coming pretty far behind in the race. And they, you know, in their presentation, they compare themselves against Tesla's Model 3 and Model Y. But I really don't want to hear it because Tesla's product line is already being produced, purchased, and being driven right now in 2020. Um, as you can see here, you know, Fisker is not really coming to market in earnest until 2022, 2023. And uh, by that time, there are going to be much better versions of Tesla's sexies, uh, uh, Model S, Model 3, Model X, Model Y. Um, and even maybe Cybertruck by that time, right? Um, so, you know, I don't want to hear it. You know, I, I think they'll need to prove uh, the product to us and why we would want to buy a Fisker over a Tesla um, if it's within a three to five grand kind of price point. Um, but that's kind of part of the reason why you want to buy this company at a discount to Tesla, obviously. And we'll do that comparison at the end of this video. So as we look into the deal and the valuation, because a lot of these SPACs are a little bit hard uh to kind of parse through, uh, you know, like all SPACs, there seems to be three publicly traded securities. Uh, the first one of which is SPAQ, which represents one class A share. Uh, then there's SPAQWS, which represents one warrant uh, for a class A share with a $11.50 strike price. Pretty familiar for those of you that have already seen some of these SPACs come through. And SPAQU, which represents both one class A share and one warrant. Um, you know, it also looks like there's a class B share uh, class with 10 to one voting rights compared to the class A share class, uh, which essentially gives Henrik Fisker, who is the chairman and CEO, and Dr. Gita Gupta, who's the, who's the CFO, and also Henrik's wife, interestingly enough, uh, it gives them majority control. So if things go sideways, uh, or things get messy, you know, I, I think the voting issues might come into play if that happens. But, you know, for now, I'm not really worried about it, but there is some value to having voting rights that you're losing. And at the end of the day, the company has about 294 million shares outstanding after the, uh, after the deal, but that doesn't take into account warrant dilution. And so at 14 bucks and 37 cents where the stock closed today, it's trading at kind of a $3.3 billion enterprise value. That valuation is crazy for not having a product in market, but it's actually not that crazy when you think about how 
lucrative this EV market is going to be and how much it's going to grow. And if you just compare them to Tesla, Rivian, or what have you, and if you can believe that they will be a player, they don't need to be the biggest player, they'll be a player in the market. It's not crazy. So on one hand, some people might uh, put their nose up to that valuation because they haven't really proved anything yet. Uh, but others might actually say that's pretty reasonable because you know if they can bring a product to market, that's pretty cheap. So we'll, we'll take a look at valuation. Again, a lot of these decks I don't love because they don't take into um they don't take into account the the effect of warrant dilution, which I have in the spreadsheet right here. So as you just have to remember, the higher the stock price, the higher the warrant dilution is too. So if, you, if you're kind of revisiting the stock after it's run up, if it does run up, then make sure to use my SPAC versus Tesla spreadsheet that I've uploaded at a couple cents.com for Roic members on the downloads page. And again, guys, thank you so much for watching and please don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. It really helps uh, bring this video to people's pages. And if you wanna dig deeper and want my spreadsheets, please consider supporting the content at a couple cents.com. Okay, so let's dig into Fisker's valuation and if this looks like it could be a good investment or not. Make no mistake, Fisker is pre-revenue and they're not gonna see revenue for a bit and they're pre-production. So this is an extremely speculative bet and just make sure you know that when thinking about buying the stock. The company hasn't delivered a mass market car yet, they, I haven't seen really prototypes around and in production. Um, but if you believe that Fisker can deliver on their financial projections here, uh, then it's gonna be a really, really impressive go to market and it can really make this stock seem attractive. Just remember, I don't think that they're gonna hit these projections and I don't think they're gonna hit the production goals that they want. Just remember, Tesla never meets their production goals in time, it's a really hard thing to bring production up to speed and, you know, seamlessly. But if they can do anything within spitting range of this, it'll be super impressive and probably really good for the stock price, especially for a latecomer to the EV knife fight. By the time they're coming to market, I imagine Rivian's already in market. I imagine some of the more established uh, players like the, the Mustang, I believe, will already have EV production going on. So we'll see. Okay. So if you look at this chart, if you believe that Fisker can get to over 10 billion in revenue over the next four years, that would mean it's trading at like under half a turn of enterprise value to go to market revenue. Said in a kind of different way, if they deliver on those projections and can get to over 10 billion in revenue uh, over the next kind of four-ish, five-ish years, this could be an over $100 stock in four years four to five years and a nice five bagger for the speculative portion of a portfolio. Um, so I, here's here's like a little chart that I've made at the bottom of my Excel sheet. Again, go to my Excel sheet if you wanna play around with it. Um, I've assumed that Fisker might deserve a 2.7 times forward enterprise value to sales multiple, uh, kind of in three years once it's actually getting revenue and growing. Um, 2.7 is actually about one turn or one kind of 1.0 times less than Tesla's valuation was before its recent run-up. So where I think it's kind of fair. So even if you assume that it deserves a one turn discounted multiple to Tesla, but it can deliver on its, you know, over $10 billion uh, top line sales growth goals and can keep growing after that, then, you know, fair valuation should value this thing at a 30 to 35 billion plus valuation company 
at that time period when they're showing us that they can actually operate and sell these cars. And that would represent kind of well over a hundred bucks a share. So if you do believe in Henrik Fisker and you do believe in this company and you believe in the product and you believe that they can, you know, those Apollo guys can, can guide this company to bringing a, a legitimate product to market, then I would say amongst these really speculative SPAC, SPAC plays, it's pretty good, right? You stick it in the backyard and if it goes to zero and they fail at delivering cars, then it's a zero. But it's a kind of a five bagger if from 14 bucks a share, if they can deliver and, and actually become a legit player in the industry. So right, it's asymmetrical risk reward, five, five times upside plus and a 100% downside. So one times downside. It's kind of like a Bitcoin-y type of speculative bet. And if that's kind of what you're interested in, you really like the uh, the electric vehicle market and you like Fisker, um, I wouldn't call you crazy for buying a little bit in, in your speculative piece, your betting portion of your portfolio and, uh, you know, trying to hop on a, a, a rocket ship, a potential rocket ship, uh, since competitors like Rivian are still private and we really can't get access to, to that kind of uh, company at at reasonable valuations. The only thing we really have is Tesla. Okay, so the one thing I'm gonna leave you with is comparing Fisker's valuation today as of July 14th uh, with Tesla's today as of July 14th market close. So these enterprise valuations imply that SPAQ or Fisker is trading at about one times uh, their management projected 2023 revenue, which I would say is more of a goal revenue versus Tesla is trading at 5.5 times their analyst estimated 2023 revenue, which is probably a lot more certain than Fisker's, right? Fisker has to ramp up production, do all this other stuff. Um, so uh, kind of a five and a half times discount to Tesla's when you look at 2023 revenues. I think it gets juicier when you when you go down and compare it at times 2024, times 2025 revenues, right? They're trading well over under, sorry, they're trading well under half a turn of EV to those revenues. Uh, versus Tesla is kind of expected to taper off in terms of overall growth percentages. We don't know yet. Uh, so that's really where the juice of the stock comes from. Do you believe that they can go to market and become a $10 billion top line company? If so, this thing's cheap and you'll make a bunch of money. But if they bumble around and fumble their operations and don't really come to market and kind of fail like the last Fisker Automotive did, then right, this will probably be a zero or a, a pretty meaningful loss for, for everyone, including probably Apollo. So um, that's kind of what you have to believe to believe in the stock. But in the context of a lot of these SPAC plays, you know, it's not crazy. And I kind of like it in terms of uh, if you believe in the company. So hopefully that was all helpful. Thank you so much. Don't forget to like and subscribe um, this video and my channel. I really appreciate it. And also join us for more conversation and Excel models and stock tools at a couple cents.com. Thank you. See you next time. I got another stock coming soon.